podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. the life I want. People who live the lives they want to live, lives they've imagined and created, are full of vibrant energy, excited about their future, and at ease with who they are. Achieving this kind of life goes beyond material success. It's the root of real happiness, joy, and peace. If this is how you want to live your life, there's good news. Mary Ann Robat offers an effective way to achieve it. By using the three-part success triad, you will learn how to harness your energy, shift your beliefs, and become a powerful manifester, a person who actually knows how to turn dreams into reality. Women are often natural-born healers and frequently have a high degree of intuition that informs and guides us through our lives. We might be naturally multi-talented and are often called to do many jobs in many roles. If you are a giver, a healer, and a holder of space for others to grow and shine, it can be easy to forget about yourself. Aren't you ready to give this gift of space, time, and connection back to yourself? It's time to remember who you are at your core to do life easier by listening to your intuition and realizing your greatest fulfillment. Your intuition can help you eliminate self-doubt and step into the power of who you are and what you are here to do. It can be a constant companion, helping you make the best decisions for yourself. By integrating your strong, intuitive knowing in your life through our powerful and proven energy techniques, you can shift your energetic vibration to its highest level. What is your energetic vibration? It is when you feel your best, when you deeply know what you are doing, saying, and being aligns with your own wisdom and higher purpose. When you are in a high energetic vibration, life just flows. Valeria interviews Mary Ann Robat. Mary Ann Robat is a master energy healer, intuitive, life coach, and founder of the Center for Lifelong Happiness and the Journey of the Healer School. Mary Ann has been transforming lives for more than 20 years by precisely identifying the limiting beliefs and emotionally charged issues that block clients from the joyful, abundant life they deserve. Her proven Talera methodology and her award-winning book, Engaging Your Power, has allowed thousands of people to release limiting beliefs, align their physical, emotional, and spiritual energy, and manifest their desired life. 
Mary Ann easily connects spiritual and energy practices to real-world living in her innovative programs, guiding individuals to heal themselves, open their intuition, and answer the call to become powerful healers with their own practices. Here is the interview with Mary Ann Robat. In your own words, who is Marianne Robot? Who am I? <laughs> I would say that I am an evolving human being. That from the moment um, I was brought into the world till I'm almost 60, um, my whole life has been around just evolving, seeking, learning more, pushing myself and, and creating new ways of being. Mm, that sounds really good to me. Before we talk about some of the topics in your book, engaging your power, using your divine energy to have the life you want, I have a few warm-up questions, as I mentioned, off record. The first one is, what is divine energy? That's the energy source that runs from each of our highest selves, like our highest our soul, uh, the the part of our essence that stays in the spiritual world. So that's us connecting into that soul. People call it spirit, um, whatever you call it. It's connecting in with God or whatever your belief system is. It's like as we connect, when we leave our bodily, physical energy field and we move our energy up into the ascended masters or into our, our own soul, that is divine energy because that's the energy. That's our life force energy. It's the energy that feeds us. It's the energy where our intuition comes from. And it's the energy that really guides us in life if we're listening. A lot of times people don't listen, so they don't get the guidance. But it's there's always this connection with the divine helping to hold us, support us, and guide us. Wow. So a question came to mind, what are the consequences of not listening or living this way? Well, I'll give you two examples, Valerie. I work with a lot of people that come in and they're very successful in their lives. So they come into my practice, they're very successful in their lives, but they're not happy. There's something missing. And that was my own journey too. I was very successful in corporate America and loved what I was doing, got to travel all over the world, had a great, great uh, series of jobs, but there was something missing and I didn't know what it was until I started to get more connected to my spiritual side. And then once I could drop into my spiritual side, I realized that there's a whole world other than our physical world that we have access to that can help support us and form us and fill us in a way that um, we can't do for ourselves. Like no matter what we buy, what we have, um, what challenges we take on, those are all momentary sort of boosts of energy. But will we get our energy to continue to evolve and change and take on new things is from the divine, is from spirit flowing into us and through us and out into the world. And that uh, leads to another question about location, divine energy. Is that something that's outside of the body and then we are the receptors for it or? Yes, 
Uh, yes. So we have a, a physical energy field, right? Like that's the energy that runs through our own body. We get that life force energy from our um, soul, the part that's left in the um, ethers, if you will, or in the spiritual realm. And um, I don't know if you've heard this term called the luminous energy field. The luminous energy field is the field between the physical body and the spiritual self. So we all have our own luminous energy field. And that field is either really strong and robust because it's like a super highway if you're connecting to it every day and you're listening to your intuition and you're engaged in following your purpose and path, that field is usually really strong and robust. Now, if you're not doing any of those things and you're stuck in life and you can't seem to move forward or get what it is that you say you want, it's usually because you have energetic blocks there. There's something blocking you and it could be and an emotional block, like a limiting belief is an emotional block. Um, and we all have limiting beliefs. So every person I know has limiting beliefs. And our trick, our goal, our way of transforming our lives is to understand what our limiting beliefs are so that we can shift them, so that we can clear the energy around them. And we can, we can create for ourselves empowering beliefs. So that's that's where our power comes from is when we when we're able to shift the limiting beliefs into empowering beliefs. Yeah, that's powerful. I have some questions for you later on about beliefs. I was really surprised actually when I read your book to find that I have some of them. <laughs> I'm like I thought I didn't have any of these beliefs, but um, how interesting. So I guess I'm wondering the way to know the sign that we're not connecting with the divine energy that's available for all of us is feeling stuck. I'm wondering if it's possible to connect, to be connected with that energy. And at the same time, to the eyes of others, you are stuck. You don't feel that way because you have enough peace and acceptance. Right. Well, you just said something really important. You said to the eyes of others, you appear stuck. Really what you're saying is people are judging you as stuck, but you feel good in your own skin and you feel good in what's happening in your life. So one of the things that we're taught from, you know, the tiniest of ages is to judge. And we are judging, we have thousands of judgments a day, thousands, big, little, like you're walking through the mall, you see someone's shoes or hands or, uh, you know, package or whatever, like your, your mind is processing so many, many judgments that we don't even realize that we're always in judgment. And until we can say, okay, I choose not to judge and not to let other people's judgments impact me. Because here's what I always tell my students. When we let other people's um, judgments impact us, what we're really saying is, here, take my power away. Because we are giving them the right to make us not feel as good or as worthy as we are. So if you're sitting and you are exactly where you feel good and it's peaceful and it's calm and it supports your way of being, own it, own it. And if somebody says, oh, you know, you're lazy, you're not really striving for more, you, you go, oh, that's interesting that you have that judgment. I feel super content. Like own it for yourself. 
Here's another thing I always tell my students. When somebody criticizes you or makes a judgment about you, don't don't draw yourself into it. All you need to do is say, that's what I love about me. Because when you claim it as a real positive for you, they have nowhere to go with it. I I worked in technology companies all my life before I started doing this healing work 20 years ago. And when I was in technology, I was probably the least technical person ever, right? Like I just, like technology in me, I don't know, it just doesn't work. Like I could do the basics that I needed to do, but beyond that. And I was at a big enough company where I had my own secretary. And then I went to a startup where I had to do everything. And it was like so (laughs) challenging for me. Mm -hmm. And they would always make fun of me. And at first I'd feel so bad, like, oh, I've got to learn how to do this Excel. I have to know how to blah, 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 you know, whatever it was. And then one day I thought, you know what? I've gone 15 years without having to learn this stuff. I'll I'll let somebody else learn it. So the next time they made fun of me because I couldn't do my Excel spreadsheets, I said, you know what? That's what I love about me. I get to... I get to not be good at something. And literally there was like mouths open around the table because there was, they couldn't come back from that. And then somebody volunteered to do my Excel spreadsheets. I'm like, excellent. Thank you so much. So people can only make us feel bad or judge us if we take it on. But if we live in the energy of, that's what I love about me. There's nowhere anyone can go with that. That is so true. That sounds very much like um, what they say, um, becoming ego-free or more connected to the uh, higher self or the true self. Yeah. And, and what you need to know is like we live in a physical world and we're here to have a human experience. So we're meant to have these kinds of interactions because that's what our, that's why we're here having a lifetime, right? But it doesn't mean that we have to get stuck in them. It doesn't mean that it, it um, drops us out of our own intuitive knowing and our own power. Yeah. And I love that confidence coming from that place, of course. It sounds like a challenge to balance this idea of loving and having this confidence within ourselves and at the same time loving others and trying to please them because we love them so much and we don't want to hurt them or not being hurt by them when they, um, when they are suffering. I guess it's more about the suffering of others that um, in my case I see unnecessary suffering, especially emotional suffering, that, yeah, it saddens me and I don't call that being judgmental of myself or anybody, but I just want to understand that better, (laughs) why that is the case. (laughs) So when somebody's suffering, because our human nature, most of us, is to to support others, to love, um, to give freely. So when you see someone suffering, of course, it it hurts your, your soul, your heart to see them suffering. And so you get to choose, do I want to step in and support them? Have they asked me to support them? Mm, Right. 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 Like, have they asked me? A lot of people just um, think they're helping, but really what they're doing is projecting their will onto another. So it's about asking. It's about being in support. And then the other really interesting thing, like I'm a a mother of um, 20-year-old triplets, and they're very different from each other. 
And even though they were brought up in the same household, like that's that whole nature versus nurture, um, they're very different from each other in how they go about learning their lessons. You know, one person, one of the children will take the insights and wisdom that my husband and I have to share and run with it. Another one will resist, resist, resist until their back's up against the wall and then they're ready to listen. And you can't change that for a person. Um, you, they have to want to change it for themselves. What you get to do is point it out to them like, oh, do you always want to have every lesson learned a really hard way? Or do you always want to be in resistance first and then you open up to something? Or can you change what you believe about something to have flow happen? So that's the kinds of conversations you can have with people around wanting to support them. But support sometimes comes in the form of heavy-duty caretaking for another. And, you, and people caretake so much that there's nothing they have left for themselves. And then they get angry and resentful. I heard the other day that the sweetest, nicest people tend to be the most rageful. Like they have so much rage because they swallow it all down. Oh, wow. That's and, true. And, yeah. and rage is an energy, right? Our anger is an energy that if we keep swallowing it down. That's going to create illness within the physical body because the body can't hold that level of negative energy coming in. Wow. How interesting. So would you say that the body can carry large amounts of positive energy and um, not the other way around? Huh? Well, positive energy gives you energy. Right, like it's it's like when you when you it's like the car um, batteries, right? When it's a positive charge, it's giving you energy. When it's a negative, it's like t it drains you. You feel drained, low energy. Um, there's nothing left. You'll hear people say, "I'm overwhelmed. I have nothing left to give. I don't know how much I can take this. Nobody cares for me." You know, like those are the, that's the language you'll hear coming out of other people when they're carrying so much negative energy because they can't regenerate positive energy if the body is holding on to all this anger and rage. That's true. And I guess one of the challenges or the issues that we are very good, maybe men more than women, very good at hiding or masking those um those emotions? Exactly. Because we were told emotions, those extremes of emotions aren't good, right? right? right. Like it's not yeah. good to have those extreme emotions. So we learned very early on, like I, my mother used to have a phrase that she would say to us, are you crying? If you're crying, I'll give you something to cry over. Like, oh, like yeah. so crying wasn't a good thing, <laughs> right. right? Like you weren't allowed to cry. So you yeah. earn, you learn very early on that that expressing your emotions isn't acceptable. So people do all sorts of things. They 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 don't. They disconnect from their emotions and they eat their way through life because they're, you know, our guts are the center of our emotional brain. And so if we don't feel nurtured or loved or supported. 
um, we there tends to be lots of um, um, issues with weight or body or digestion or um, oh, what's that the the one I'm thinking of um, that a lot of people are have celiac disease and like all of that starts to come into play because we're stuffing down emotions. Unfortunately, it, it is a um, reality or a kind of reality where we, um, yeah, by trying to please others, we um, suppress and we are hurting ourselves. Thank you for the work you do because this is what we need. We need more of it uh, to release these energies and understand more. You're doing the work, <laughs> lots of work. <laughs> One of the things, yeah, exactly. I mean, when people come to me, they're coming because they're not happy. They're coming because either they're not happy, they're physically ill, or there's, they have everything that they wanted and they're still not content. There's not, like, it's not enough. So something's missing. And I say that when we were young, we learned how to hold our world and how to see ourselves. So from a very early age, um, we have set up how we were going to be in life. And that's what leads us to discontent as we get older, because we know there could be more. We know we want to feel more. And I believe that by doing energy work with some belief work and manifestation work, that's how we liberate our lives and really create what we want in them. Yeah, and that's true. I love, absolutely love the, the section about beliefs, which we'll talk in the moment. Continue with the um, warm-up questions. My next one is about freedom. What is the meaning of freedom to you, Marianne? <laughs> that is such a hard question. And I'll tell you why it's such a hard question for me. And then I'll give you my best yeah. answer, right? Yeah. I don't know if it's right or wrong, but right. you said for me. Um, freedom to me has been something I've been looking for all my life. And I used to think, oh, when I don't have to work, I'll be free. When I don't have to do these, you know, make a living, I'll be free. When we have enough financial security, I'll be free. Well, it turns out like when you get all that stuff, you still don't feel free. And so when I think about freedom, I think about liberation. I think about how do I rise above my personality, my personality called Marianne, who has a set of beliefs and constructs that I live within to just be in the pure energy and the bliss of what's available to us. And that's the place I find freedom. So when I go out and I meditate, when I work with my spiritual guides, when I, I take people on journeys and I go on the journeys with them, like energetic journeys or meditative journeys, like in those moments, in that time period, we are creating the freedom from ourselves, our personality, from our expectations of who we are and what we need to do in the world. And from um, our, limiting, our limited um, perspective, because when you go out into the energy, into other beautiful places, vibrations, frequencies in the world, in the atmosphere, 
you realize that we have a very, very small perspective of things. It's true. So that's what I think is freedom, is when I allow myself to go on a journey, an inward journey. Nothing that I have <laughs> bought for myself, found for myself, did for myself in the physical world ever delivered a sense of freedom. The only time I've ever gotten freedom is when I go into the spiritual world, into the energy and allow myself just to experience it. Yeah. Wow. What a great answer. It resonates uh, true to me, <laughs> for sure. Um, at this time, what do you think is the world's greatest need? I think our greatest need is to come home to ourselves. I think our greatest need, I think we've been given a big spiritual timeout. I think our planet has been given a timeout. I mean, when you sit back and you realize like people have been sent to their homes, families have come back together. There's no place to go except within and with each other. There's spaces that have been opened up for conversation, for connection, in ways that when we're all running our lives, nobody has time for. The planet itself is healing. Like just the emissions and the fact that in India, people can see stars again. And in LA, the smog is gone. Like that says something about what as humans we're doing to this planet. And just two months of a time out and the planet can revitalize itself. So I think that um, right now, the best that we can do for ourselves is take advantage of the time out. And I know people are suffering. People are losing loved ones. People are afraid. People are in that high risk category. There's all sorts of reasons for you to be stressed out, anxious, um, and fearful. So you get to have those three choices. Or you get to live into a different version for yourself that says, okay, the stress, the anxiety, none of that's going to change my reality. The only way I can change my reality is by looking at in this moment in time, what's possible for me? What can I do? You know, I, um, I told you I'm a mother of three. I have a thriving business and a husband and um, we travel a lot. And this time opened up like three hours in the morning from like 5.30 to 8.30, where I just get to sit and meditate and have my coffee out on the deck and go for long walks if I want. And so it, it, it slowed me down in a dramatic way. Where then I had time for more time for connection and places to think and you know uh, to imagine what I want the next five years to be. So you can sit there in the anxiety of it all and in the panic and in the fear and in the sadness. I mean, it's sad that over ninety thousand Americans have lost their lives. It's frustrating the way the government's like responding. Right? Like there's so many things that we could get ourselves riled up about. But that doesn't help you. So you can allow it. Like I allow myself 30 minutes a day just to read the news, to see what's happening in the world. 
And then I put it away. And then it's like, how do I want to spend the rest of my day? What do I want to create for myself? So if you can do that for yourself, oh, that's liberation. You've moved beyond the current state to say, how do I take advantage of this time? I just worked with somebody that lost a family member and they just lost their job. And she was the happiest I've ever seen her. And I said, what's allowing you to be happy? She said, you, you've taught me how to connect, like how to move above this and see what, what's possible from it. She said, a few years ago, I would have been a wreck. So it's really important for us to, to be intentional about how we, we're choosing to live our lives. Wow, I love that. And that's true. That kind of goes back to that idea of limiting state of mind, of victimhood, that things happen to us and we ended up blaming everybody and everything, not knowing that we have, that we become the creators of our own lives. Exactly, that we get to co-create our life. Yes. So, um, yeah, this is another question. What is love to you? I think what is love for me is when you are present in the moment and you can really appreciate what is right in front of you. So there's like the love of a child. There's the love of your spouse. There's the love of your family. Like we are the love. It, it like just flows from you to whoever are your loved ones, your friends, your family, um, naturally. But and and it's like for me, that's always in the background, right? Like that's the background love. The foreground love is by being present with everyone that I connect to. And in that presence, I look and I share love. Yeah, presence. Yeah, that's another, um, would you call it state of mind or an understanding? Absolutely. And I'll give you a great example. Like people that have pets know this really well. They might have had the shittiest day and they walk in their front door <laughs> and there's their little kitten or dog or whatever other pet, what, like wave or wagging their tails or just excited to see you. And all of that, because the animal is in the immediacy of the moment, right? Like, hey, my person just walked in. He doesn't care whether you had a hard day, a bad day or whatever just wants to, or she just wants to be present with you. And what you see is why animals are so giving is because they're only in the present moment. They are right there with you. And so if you can model your life, like how do I stay in the present moment? How do I, like whoever I'm in front of in this moment, I'm 100% committed to being there and being present. I think that's when love flows. Yeah, and that is something that um, it's a great practice. This um, idea of knowing that we are not thoughts. We don't need to be controlled by thoughts right, all the time. Um, what was the inspiration and intention of writing your book, Engaging Your Power? The inspiration really came from the work I was doing with clients. So I have worked with... Um, because I came out of the corporate world, a lot of my clients were from the business world. And then over time, I've got mom, dads, artists, um, other people from different professions. But 
what I noticed was some people uh, who came to me only wanted to do the coaching work. And then other people that came were open to the coaching and the energy work. And what I noticed is when I combined coaching and energy work with people, they made dramatic progress. And I'm not saying straight on coaching didn't help people, but it was like dramatically different. Like they they reached levels of happiness faster. They reached levels of um, co-creating what they wanted in their life faster. And so what I really realized back then was that what helps us shift and accelerate our growth and our way of being and to co-create the kind of life we really want is by looking at three things. So I had a pyramid and I said, it's, you know, the holy trifecta, right? It's understanding your energy, what's draining it, what what um, gives you energy, what old energy do you have within your body, within your luminous field that's creating you to be stuck. So looking at your whole energy field and saying, what can we do there to help support, to clear it, to um, get you synced up with a different vibration that allows you more alignment in life. Um, So looking at energy, but the other really powerful thing is our belief system. Our beliefs are unbelievable. Like by 80%, I mean, by the time we're 70, seven years old, we have 80% of our beliefs in place. Can you imagine by the time we're seven, like think about what our thought processes back then. Think about what kind of perspective we have. Not, not big, not great. So the fact that 80% of our beliefs get lodged there and then we operate our lives from that place is really challenging. I'll give you an example of this. One of my clients suffered with abandonment issues her whole life. And when we were exploring it, she's like, I've never been abandoned. I've never been. And then I did this um, past life regression and energy work with her. And it, we went to a place when she was like four or five years old and her brother was there and her brother and her were fighting. And her mother goes, that's it. I'm leaving. And she put on the coat and she walked out the door. In that moment, my client lodged this belief that I'm not lovable enough. Everyone leaves me. And she ran that through her whole life. And until we could get at the energy of where that belief lived in her body and the energy of that belief and clear it from her, she could not have a relationship. So that's how beliefs, our limiting beliefs get get created when we're young and it impacts our whole life. Um, so we have to start looking for them. And whenever I get stuck, that's the first place I, I think about. I sit down and I say, okay, what am I believing about the situation? And it's always surprising to me what comes up. It's like, whoa, this is really, <laughs> this is really interesting. Or I, I didn't know I had that belief. Well, like you, what you said earlier yeah. in the conversation, like yeah. I didn't think I had limiting beliefs. And then I right. <laughs> started to realize I do. That's amazing. It's almost like uh, being programmed and now it doesn't recognize really anything but the programming. Everything that appears to us it is a reflection of our own beliefs in a way. Wow. 
I'm wondering if beliefs can be uh, replaced. I know you talk about clearing, so I want to understand that better. What happens to beliefs after that? Are they replaced? We have become more aware of it. We create a shifted process. We Yes, what you want to do is replace your belief to a belief that's going to empower you. So I'll give you another example. I was working with this um, woman. She was like, I don't know, 25. And she really wanted to go to college, and but she could not get herself there. And so finally I asked her, well, what's stopping you? Like, tell me things you heard when you were a child. Like, what phrases would your mother or your father say? And all of a sudden she said, oh, my father used to say, well, we're not those type of people. And so as it had to do with higher education or more um, advanced kinds of um, jobs, her father would say, we're not those kind of people. So this was a subconscious belief. Like she didn't recognize it till that moment. Like, oh my God, I'm holding that. Like, I'm not the kind of person that goes to college. And so we cleared, we found the energy in our body. We cleared the belief. And then we create a new enabling belief or an empowering belief. So our new belief was, I am the kind of person that goes to college. I am smart enough to go to college. Like, so it was a belief and I had her visualize herself going to college. We worked on filling her application out together so she knew. And, and um, sure enough, like I think within six months, she went into a program. So it's like, it's those, we all have these subconscious beliefs. Like my, my mom used to say, work hard, work hard. And I used to, so I used to, you know, there's six of us, six kids. And guess what we all do? We all work hard. And then one day I was working with my ascended master and I said, what would happen if I worked easily? Like, <laughs> what? Like, okay, so I bought into the work hard all these years, but what if work could be easy? And it was dramatic just holding that possibility and creating that new belief for myself that work is really easy. And that is repeating these words or these phrases on a daily basis, uh, Marianne, or? Yes. So two things you want to do. One is you want to flip the belief. So whatever the the negative belief is, you want to flip it to the positive. So the example of the work hard to work easy So I want to now flip the belief that says work can be easy. Like that's what I want to own. Then I would either create a mantra like where I can say it every day. I work easily and effortlessly. I show up at work easily. You know, whatever the mantra is. And I would say that throughout my day because here's the deal. The brain will believe anything you tell it. So if you tell it works hard, you're going to experience work being being hard. If you tell it work is easy, that's what you're going to experience. So you have to retrain your brain. And, um, you know, they call it neural pathways, that we have all these neural pathways of beliefs that run through our brain. And what we want to do is disrupt them. We want to break the thought pattern So I always tell people, first of all, flip it. Second of all, create a mantra for yourself that you say over and over again. Third, create a vision. Like what would it look like if you went through your day easily? What happens? What do you experience? And then when you do that, you look for evidence. 
And this is really important because our brain is always trying to find what's real, right? So you look for evidence of the ease. And it could be something as simple as somebody offered to do something for you. A meeting got canceled. Suddenly your calendar freed up. Like whatever. But you look for the evidence. And if you're looking for an easy day, that's where your intention is. That's what you begin to co-create with the universe. So that's how you would, you would flip it and work towards your new belief. And I believe in that book, um, there's several different ways of doing like exercises that you can use to do that. And it's a short book too. Everything is right there. <laughs> it's so easy. I want to give some copies around actually to my family members because that's the most straight to the point book about beliefs and shifting perspective that I have found. Yeah. My son one time said, um, that there was this famous philosopher whose name is escaping me in this moment um, that said the easier and more simplistic you write, the more people can absorb what you're saying. And I think that's really important. Like these are not, it's not brain surgery. It's not like rocket science. It's easy, simple steps. But if you take them, you can dramatically liberate your life. You can create the freedom you want. So I'm wondering what, what makes someone to decide to do the work and to change their own beliefs? I think two things. I think if people are really unhappy in their lives, they can sit there and stay unhappy, <laughs> right? <laughs> and not be fulfilled and know that we only have this one lifetime to live right now. And why would we want to stay in that place, right? So if people are feeling unhappy, that's a motivator. If you're not getting what you want, like I work with a lot of people around relationships and it's usually because they have layers and layers of beliefs there. And so if you are carrying that, why not shift it so that you can get what it is that you want? So um, usually if you're not happy, that's a great motivator. The other thing is if you've achieved all your goals, if you are actually happy in your life, but you're not feeling fulfilled, like something's missing for you. I work with a lot of people that that's the case for them. Like they're, they're very successful, but something is missing. Like there's an emptiness or, and it's not like this big, awful hole, like they can consistently run their life, but they're missing that joy, that sense of fun, the happiness. And so we work on how do they bring that back into their lives. Yeah. Yeah. So healing, is healing a process? Do we ever become healed at some point? Here's what I think. I, I absolutely believe healing is a process. And do we become healed? Yes. Every time we do a healing, something gets healed. Now, the the challenges is how deep does it run for you? Like some people have things that don't run very deep. We do the, the healing, they'll change their belief. They'll, I give them processes to manifest it in their life and boom, they're off and running. Other people have been very um, damaged in their life by earlier experiences or trauma that has happened to them. So I would say that kind of healing takes a little longer and you have to sort of peel back the layers to get at it. I had one person who's so cute. He goes, oh, 
I thought I could just come one and done. And I said, so how old are you? And he was like 49 at the time. And I said, oh, okay. So for 49 years, has this only happened to you once? And he goes, no, I've lived my whole... And I'm like, exactly. <laughs> you lived your whole life that way. So there's layers to this. Right. It's like peeling back the onion. <laughs> um, and he got it. You know, we get it when we understand. So it really... Um, you can have healing in every moment that you are in connection or you're doing the energy healing work. And how we get to healed, it could be a very quick and fast journey or it could be a longer, more evolved journey, evolving journey because of what we're holding. So it depends, yeah. Yeah, it really depends. I love the way you said, yeah, I never heard it this way before, that we are constantly, when we are doing the work of healing, we actually, we are healing some parts of us, um, but then there are other layers and layers yeah, that we need to uncover. And right. But here's the, here's the other fun thing. What I love about energy work is the, the quickness of the healing. You know, some people are in therapy for decades and they still go into therapy and they're still working their processes or whatever, you know, tools they got. With energy work, once you shift the belief, you put it on and put them into their new belief and you go after the energy because our energy is out in front of us paving the way. We are communicating with the universe what we want through our energy. So if we feel worthy, then the universe is going to be just, you know, send anything that we want our way because we feel worthy for it. But if we go through life feeling um, not so worthy, what's going to happen is we might ask for things and it never shows up because it actually is showing up, but we don't feel worthy enough to accept it. Yeah, it makes so much sense that this uh, works so much better than therapy. Yeah. And it's not to put down therapy. I mean, a lot of my clients have been in it. Um, but what I know, what I love about therapy, people that have been in therapy is they come in and they're very articulate about what's happened in their past and why they're the way they are. Um, and so it makes it really fast to shift them to change their reality going forward in the energy. So there, there's definitely a value to it. It just, it just feels like a slow moving train <laughs> to get, to get to where you want to get to. When you do the energy work, does it include any kind of touch, of physical movements, or? There are so many different um, energetic modalities, like healing modalities. Like there's, um, there's tapping, and there's um, therapeutic touch. That's not the kind I do. Um, I, I've been trained in those, but I don't use them. I um, channel energy from the person's soul and sort of imbue it back into the person's body so that the body has a remembrance of, oh, this is who I am. Oh, this is the right frequency I'm on right now. So things that have happened in the past can fall away because they can't stay on the energetic frequency of the person's soul level. So, so that's the kind of work I do. I, I was trained as a shaman. So for years, I opened and closed chakras and pulled out energy. And I still do that, but I just do it all in the energetics, not 
over the physical body right. anymore. And that can be done a long distance too, right, Marianne? Oh, yes, because energy is non-local. Right. Like when we think about somebody, right? Like, have you ever had the experience of your phone rings and you know who's on the other end? Like the person just pops in your head. If that person's energy is coming to tell us it's going to ring the phone. And at some level in that moment, we're actually aligned of listening. And so that's why we go, oh, this is going to be so-and-so, you know, Um, because our energy is always out in front of us. So energy is non-local. It's in front of us. Our souls are up in the spiritual divine. So as long as you understand how you can connect in and how you can work with energy, yeah, you can work with anyone anywhere in the world. Fantastic. Wow. Yeah, it really sounds like it. Um, So I have one more question about beliefs and values. Do you see any difference between them? Beliefs and values. Well, values come from uh, when we're younger, right? We have family values. We have cultural values. Um, and, And I like to think of values as those things that guide me. Like, so my value is to live from a place of integrity. Now, I can have a belief about integrity. Like my belief is to always try to act in integrity or come from a place of integrity. Um, So beliefs are, uh, I hold it as more like, what do I do with that? Value is what guides me in my life. So they're different. different systems in the world. Uh, Yeah, they are different. Yeah. Wonderful. So would you like to add anything before I ask you my final questions, Marianne? Well, one thing I would like to add is in the book, Engaging Your Power, there's a third spoke called manifesting. And it's like, once you get clear on the beliefs you want to have, like what you want in your life, you clear out the energy that might be keeping you stuck, then how do you manifest? And manifesting is about two things. One is being able to put your intention out in the world of what what it is you want, but also being able to expand your capacity to receive. A lot of times the universe plays back what we're asking for and gives it to us, but we've done nothing to work on our ability to receive it. So as a result, it's like right there and it drop, we don't even see it, like it drops away. So um, that, that, that would be the only thing I would talk about is like once you do those two pieces of work, then you get clear on what you want to manifest and there's all different strategies for doing manifestation in your life. Right. And the receiving uh, has a lot to do with the beliefs, clearing. Um, exactly. Right. Like if we don't feel worthy or lovable or deserving, we can say we want all these things, but we're not going to be able to bring them in. True. It makes so much sense. Yeah. <laughs> but because the beliefs, yeah, the old, yeah, unhealthy beliefs, right, right. And that's why we don't see these things. So my final questions, um, how do you define success these days? What is to be successful? I find, you know, in the past, I would have said success looks like, and it would have been aligned to what my accomplishments were or what I was trying to accomplish. But I actually am moving off of that definition of success. I think that for us as humans right now, during this time, success really looks like, what am I doing 
to live from a place of happiness, love, joy, connection. What am I doing every day to make that happen? Because if I don't have that in my life, then what good would a new promotion, a new car, a new something be if I don't have those intrinsic things? So yeah, I think that's what success looks like is how do you stay in the present and absorb what's available right now to you? I love that. What was the hardest lesson to learn about yourself as of today? I know, it's for all of us, for sure. <laughs> uh, that's, a, that's a great question. I think that the hardest lesson to learn is that I'm not perfect and that I have to let go of my perfectionist that wants everything to be perfect because that perfectionist will drive really crazy behaviors. And so how do you let go of what your expectations are and live in the flow of energy, of life that's around you, of what's in front of you. Um, because in that, in your ability to do that, that's where the juicy moments are. And, um, and that, that's been the hardest thing. Like I, I think I've been working on that for like five years now. And am I getting better? Absolutely. Do I notice a difference in who I am and what I'm about or how people see me? Absolutely. Do I experience life differently? Absolutely. Is there more to go? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I also love how humble you are. <laughs> um, do you believe in unconditional self-love? I do believe in that. And I also believe that that's probably the hardest thing for us to do. That we have been trained early to judge and criticize ourselves. Probably harsher and harder than anyone else. And that when we can step beyond that and just embrace who we are and love ourselves for ourselves, then wow, we will be powerful, successful beings. Yeah, true. Yes, a thousand times to that. Yeah, yeah. What is another word for healing? Um, transformation happiness. Like I named my center, the Center for Lifelong Happiness. And I, I named it because we did a survey of, you know, my clients that I had seen in the last decade. And it was so fascinating. The number one thing that the work that I was doing with them was creating in their life was happiness. And I, I, like, I had never made that correlation. <laughs> I used to feel like I was energy. I was healing them so that they could have what they wanted. And, and they were the ones that labeled it happiness. So, um, yeah, I think energy work gives you back your sense of flow and your sense of happiness in the world. Yeah. If you knew you would die soon, meaning leaving or losing the body, would you make any change in your life or do anything differently? You know, it's a great question um, because I ask myself that question every year, right? Like, because we're not guaranteed our tomorrows. So what would, what, what do I want to do this year? What do I want to do this day? What do I want to do t um, today? And um, so I have very, very little regrets. I really do. You know, would I tweak something here or there? Yeah but very, very little regrets. And the little regrets come from following a path, 
even when I didn't know where it was leading me. Like I got involved in this work 20 years ago when nobody even knew how to spell energy work back then. And I would only share it with my closest friends because people would, you know, label it all the stuff. And, um, but I was compelled to follow my path. So I think that's what um, brings you a sense of contentment, a sense of like, yep, if my life ended tomorrow, of course, I'd miss my children and I'd be sad that they didn't have me in their life. But I'd be happy because I felt I would feel like I've gotten to experience exactly what I've come here to do and and have. Yeah, I love that that answer when I hear every time I would change very little or nothing. That's when we know, right? So my last question, what are three things about life you know for sure? Um, so no two minutes the same. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> Um, that your energetic vibration and frequency, like how you feel, how you connect to the divine is incredibly important. And your belief that you can do, be, or have anything you desire is incredibly important to have the kind of life you desire. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It has been a meaningful conversation. Thank you for your presence and your wisdom, Marianne. Oh, you're so welcome. This was a delightful um, afternoon and time spent with you. <laughs> Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Yeah, I actually am in the process of launching another book called the, um, Engaging Your Inner Healer. So it's for people to understand how they can heal themselves and understand like this framework of what gets done in the spiritual level before we even have a physical experience and how we have to heal on the four levels, like the spiritual, the energetic, the beliefs, and the physical in order to really um, um, create lives that, that are worthy of us. Um, so I'm in the process of that and I run a healing school. So I work with people that are awakening to this work and also people that want to be healers because I have robust healing practices. I teach other healers how to um, heal on all these levels so that their people can have profound impacts. You could go to the website Center for Lifelong Happiness. And in there, there's a program called Journey of the Healer. And that's a year-long program that really helps you to either awaken yourself. Like I said, half the classes are 50% people that just want to apply this work in their own lives and for themselves. And the other 50% are healers that are trained in different modalities, but they don't have the full picture of how to pull it all together. That sounds wonderful. Thank you so much again, Marianne. Great. You're very welcome. And it was really, really special. I loved your questions you asked me. Thank you. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Marianne Robat, please visit her website, centerforlifelonghappiness.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members, Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, 
Terry Clayton and Aiden Bigrock. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.